Oh my gosh. It's going. Hi everyone, my name is David Alexander. This is my son Jack and my daughter Anna. And we are here uh, to together take the ice bucket challenge. Uh, for ALS, thank you to the many who uh, nominated all of us for this challenge. We are now ready for it. We like to do things together as a family, so kids, are you ready? Here we go. Here comes the ice water. Here we go. All right. We would now like to nominate. Jack, go ahead. Who you got? Who you want to nominate? Uh, Brad, Susan, Cole. Brad, Susan, and Cole Weatherford. Well, Anna's turn. I would like to nominate Madison Pollard, Sarah Gans, and um, Quinn Alexander. That was good. And I would like to nominate my father, Mike Alexander, my uncle, state representative in Arkansas, Randy Alexander, and my other uncle, good. who's taught me so much, Jim Alexander. Uh, if you didn't know, the Ice Bucket Challenge came to Mansfield this week. It's, it's like a traveling circus. It's, it's come to our area. On Wednesday, I was nominated three times. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm just going to work, minding my own business, and three people nominated me to do the Ice Bucket Challenge, and uh, my kids also got nominated on the same day, so we were uh, delighted to do that, to raise awareness uh, and funds for, for ALS. Uh, uh, pastor Mike, our senior pastor, was also nominated. If you didn't see his video, you should, because this is who he nominated. He cheated. He usually does. Um, he cheated and said... Uh, that he would like to nominate the members of First Methodist Mansfield. <laughs> a little bit more than three, but he's a senior pastor. He gets to do what he wants. So uh, just know that you have been nominated. Uh, welcome uh, to First Methodist Mansfield. My name is David, and I serve as one of the pastors here. And if this is your first time here with us, uh, we are delighted to have you as our guest today. We'd love to serve or bless you, answer any questions you may have uh, after our service, and uh, you can do that at any one of our connecting points today. Uh, we've been moving through a series uh, that's based on uh, the book of Romans chapter 12, and we've been talking about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's been the, uh, the basic idea at the heart of this series. Uh, and we started by saying that the Christian life begins with an understanding of grace. We think of grace as God's love in action in the world, and the Christian life begins when we understand what God has done and God is doing, how God has acted on our behalf out of grace. We said it starts there because grace is the lens through which the Christian sees, experiences, and engages with the world. And so we've talked about grace for many weeks as being like a pair of glasses, that if you in your life have a need of that, uh, 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 for glasses in your life, that the process of, of putting those glasses on and seeing life clearly is the same process that happens for the Christian when they come to an understanding of grace. They, where, where life before was, was fuzzy, there were things that were unclear, when you understand grace, what God has done on your behalf, it changes the way that you see the world. 
It changes the way you see others, and it changes the way that you see yourself and the purpose of your life when you have the glasses of grace on. And when you do that, what we said is, is when you come to what it means to live the Christian life and the teachings that we find in the scriptures, there are things that, that make sense to us because we understand what God has already done and how we are to live in response to what God has already done. So we started by talking about grace, and then we, then we talked about surrender and sacrifice, that that's really the first step. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's what this life is all about. Again, not having the glasses of grace on, it may sound crazy, but when you understand what God has already done, you recognize that surrender is the logical response. Sacrifice is the logical response to what, what God has done on our behalf. We talked about transforming our minds, of changing our patterns of thoughts that, that in turn can change our patterns of behavior so that we can connect with the heart of God, the character of God, and, and live out that, that sacrifice and surrender in appropriate ways. And then last week we talked about relocating our sense of significance and meaning and value away from ourselves and our own temporary existence into the larger body of believers called the church, this new community and family that we are a part of, and the work that the church is doing in the world, which is bringing God's grace and bringing God's kingdom here. That prayer that we pray when we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, the church is meant to be an answer to that prayer, a response to that prayer. And so we join in that. We lose ourselves in that, in the work that has preceded our life and, and the work that will continue long after we are gone. That's where our meaning and value and significance is now found when we begin to embrace that life. So that's what we've been talking about over the last six weeks. And the reason I wanted to review that is first because I believe in repetition. I, I think it helps. Uh, I, I learn that way. When things are repeated to me, it, it helps me out. But also because I want to address what, if you've been here over the last six weeks, what I expect has been happening for, for some of you. I expect that for some of you, you may have heard something that's brand new. You may be uh, early on in, in understanding what it means to follow Jesus. You may still be kind of searching that out and trying to come to an understanding. And, and maybe over the course of the last six weeks, you've heard something new. And maybe that's propelled you a few more steps further in, in your own understanding of what that might mean for your life. If that's happened for you, I'm, I'm excited that, that, that you've opened up your, your heart and your life to, to hear what that might mean for you and your life. But, but I expect that for some of you, you, you may not have heard anything new. And, and there may be some, some level of disappointment in that. You may be thinking, okay, I'm, I'm waiting to hear something new because you have this sense that there should be something more. Maybe you've reached a plateau in your faith and, and you found yourself at a place where you may even describe your feelings about your faith as being a little bit stalled. You, you want to grow deeper beyond where you are, but you don't know what that next step is. And so maybe over the last six weeks, as I've kind of hinted to you that this is what this is about, learning what it means to be a follower of Jesus, you've been waiting to hear that next thing, that thing that will propel you to that next level of, of growth and, and, and depth uh, in, in your faith. And if that's you, I want to say a couple things about that. First, I don't think that that process, that experience of coming to a plateau and finding yourself stalled, I don't think that's abnormal. In fact, if you think about any growth process, whether it's a, a, the garden you have out back or a human being, there are natural plateaus in that. Just watch the way your kids grow. There are spurts where they, where they grow a, a great deal, and then there's times where they stay fairly steady. There are natural plateaus in our growth. And ironically enough, 
It's only when you come to that plateau that you realize you're ready for the next step. Are you with me? It's only when you come to that plateau when you realize I'm really ready for whatever the next steps may be. I've taken all the first steps. Now I'm ready for the next steps. Now, all that is to say, as we continue in Romans 12 today, what I'm going to suggest to you is that Paul is moving from the first steps into the next steps. Paul's about to move into the next layer of this journey with Jesus. So for some of you who may have heard some things that are brand new, what we're going to talk about is what your target is as you continue to to engage those first steps of faith. This is the direction that you're going to go. It may not be where you are yet, but it's the direction that you're heading if you've taken the first steps for faith. And, And for some who may be waiting for that next step, you may find yourself at that plateau, we're going to talk about what the next challenge is, what it means to to, to engage a deeper level of faith and continuing to grow in deeper love of God and others and service to the world. So we we stopped at verse 8 last week. Let's jump in at verse 9. This is what Paul says. He says, love, which we know love's important, right? We've heard that over and over again. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. So, so far we talked about surrender, which I know, it sounds like a pretty hard step to surrender and say, God, my life is now yours. We've talked about transforming our mind, our patterns of thoughts and our behaviors. We've talked about relocating our sense of significance away from ourselves into something much larger than who we are. And then we come to verse 9, and from 9 to 13, what we find here is a list of commands. These are things that as you embrace these first steps and you make your journey, these are the things that your life should, you should do in your life. These are the commands that Paul is offering to you. And what I want you to notice is that none of these are easy. Like there's nothing on this list that you could say, well, I could knock that out by breakfast time. I mean, that'd be, that'd be pretty easy. No big deal. There's nothing here that's easy. These are all exceedingly difficult commands that at first glance, some of them may hit you and you think that is impossible. How in the world could I ever live that out? Love must be sincere, Paul says. So think about that in the context of your life. Husbands and wives, love must be sincere. Brothers and sisters, not in the like churchy sense of, hey, brothers and sisters, but your actual brother or your sister, love must be sincere. Moms and dads, love must be sincere. Bosses and employees, love must be sincere. Neighbors who may not agree on what the appropriate volume level is in the neighborhood or how much time you should spend on your yard, love must be sincere. I mean, isn't there a part of you that that wants to ask Paul the question, like, Paul, do you not know that there are certain people that it's really, really hard to love? Like, it's not my fault, it's their fault. They're just making it really, really hard on me. There's, There's probably some people, don't say their names, there are probably some people... That, that, that you would say, you know, faking it until I make it is about the best that I can do, right? 
But that's not what Paul says. Paul says love must be sincere. He says hate what is evil, which at first glance we're thinking, well, that that should be pretty easy. I mean, who wants evil things to happen to them? I, I hate evil. I don't want evil to come into my life. But then you realize Paul's talking about more than that. Paul's not only talking about the evil that may happen to us, but he's also talking about the evil that may happen to our our worst enemy. Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Paul says, cling to the good. Which again, well, that doesn't sound too hard. Until, Until you realize that sometimes in clinging to the good, you still don't get what you want. Then what do you do? Be devoted to one another, honor one another. Again, we have this this sense of humility coming out in in the writings of Paul that this is something that we should shoot for in our life. He he talks about being joyful in hope, patient in in the midst of affliction, faithful in prayer, practicing hospitality. Well, that sounds pretty easy until you realize, hey, that's more than saying hi and sharing a smile. That's opening up your life to others and sharing with them out of the resources that you have in your own life. But nestled in the middle here, look back at verse 11. Listen to this command and consider the difficulty here. Paul says, never, ever be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Never be lacking in zeal, energy, passion, enthusiasm about what this life of faith is about. Instead, keep that energy secure. Keep it going. Keep that passion up. Never be lacking. Instead, keep your spiritual fervor. Now, don't raise your hands, but let me just ask this question. Is there anyone here today who's tired? Like, is is there anyone who you just... You just feel like if one more thing gets added to the list, if one more thing doesn't go the way that you expect it to, if you have to deal with one more surprise, it's going to all come crashing down. And you know, we're talking about more than just physical exhaustion here. I mean, we're talking about more than, than, than those who just didn't get enough sleep last night. We're, we're talking about the way in which we find ourselves taxed within our souls, the, the muscle of self-control in our life, we feel like there's, it's just totally spent. There's no telling what's going to happen tomorrow because we are just so tired. Maybe there is at least someone here today who would say, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty tired right now. I'm just, I'm just running on empty. The, 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 there, there's almost nothing left in the tank. I'm just tired. And then you hear Paul say something like this, hey, just, just keep that energy up. You know, keep your spiritual fervor. Don't ever lose that. Don't, you, you know, you, you got to stay in that place. And there's a part of us that looks at that and says, that sounds impossible. How in the world could I ever get to that place? And yet, this is what I find fascinating. For every person who finds themselves there, there's probably at least one other person in your life that when you look at them, you cannot help but ask the question, how in the world are they not tired? <laughs> Like you see the output of their life, you see the things that they are invested in, and you see the way in which they engage their life, and you cannot help but wonder, how in the world are they not tired? How do they have energy where you find it lacking? How do they embrace things that seem so difficult for you to do? How is it that they are not tired? Now to be fair... Some of them are faking it, right? Like some of them have just gotten really good at, at, at sharing with you a, a picture of competency and calm, right? They're six months away, they're eight months away, they're a year and a half away from just crashing. They may be sitting next to you today thinking, I'm, I'm really tired. 
But there is a subset here, isn't there? I mean, there are people that you know in your life, and when you look at their life, their energy is a mystery to you. Not only do they, do they engage the, 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 the things that they are doing in their life, but it's also the way in which we see them engaging that with compassion and grace and humility. And at the end of long days and, and, and giving attention to others and, and really placing themselves last and others first, they seem to have plenty of, of, of fuel left in the tank. How do they do what they do? How do they fulfill this command in, in verse 11 of never lacking that energy and fervor for serving and sharing their life with others? Well, let's, let's circle back around to what we said a few weeks ago. Remember we talked about grace and how grace is really, that is where the, the, the life of faith begins, a proper understanding of grace. The other thing that we said is that in the midst of this dynamic we all live with, of, of having immense capacity, but also an unhealthy tendency to go in a different direction, that by the life of faith, what can happen is that your capacity can grow in grace. That as you grow in grace, your capacity for love and grace and compassion and responding to difficult situations in an appropriate way, your capacity will actually grow in your life as you grow in grace. What we said, though, was that you never grow beyond grace. You never get to a point where you just wake up and go, well, I'm good. You know, I've got this all down. I don't need any more help. You know, I don't need any more grace from God. We never grow beyond grace. We grow in grace. Our capacity expands in grace, meaning the fuel for your life, for the rest of your life. In every circumstance of life, no matter what the need is that you face in your life, the fuel for your life is grace. The fuel for your life is grace. That is what drives the Christian experience is God's grace, God's love and action in our life. So how does, how does that grow? What's the answer to the question of where does that energy come from? It's grace. It's grace. It's people who are growing in grace. How do you grow in grace? How do you grow in grace? You grow in grace as you practice the life of grace. That's what you do. You grow in grace as you practice the life of grace. And what does that mean? What does that mean to practice the life of grace? This is what it means. It means that you get serious. And I choose that word very carefully. I thought all week long about this word. The word is serious. Not interested, not curious, but you get serious about growing in deeper love with God, deeper love of others, and deeper service to the world. You get serious about it. You make a commitment, you double down, you say, I'm really serious about this. This is what I want my life to be about. And you get serious about what that looks like. So let me give you four ideas of what that looks like. The first thing I think is you get serious about worship. You get serious about worship. What we are doing here right now, you get serious about worship. You make worship one of the commitments in your life, meaning that regardless of what else is happening over the course of the weekend, regardless of what kind of week that I had in, in the days leading up to this, regardless of what else may be in my mind, worship is a part of my life because God is a part of my life because I have an understanding of grace of what God has done and I may come just broken with nothing else, else to bring other than just my confusion and my worry and my anxiety but I'm going to be a part of worship because I'm serious about this commitment in my life. We have seven opportunities a weekend for you to be a part of worship. 
and we invest an incredible amount of energy of making sure that all of those spaces are open for you, that environments are, are such that you can experience God in that. We, we put a, an incredible amount of time in what we're going to share, the songs, all, all that stuff is something that we invest in because we believe that when you participate in corporate worship, it helps you grow in deeper love with God. It's that important. It helps you grow in deeper love with God. And we do it every seven days for a reason. Because we think that the consistent involvement in that, participation in that, changes people's lives. It's a way of practicing grace, and it's a way of investing in grace growing in your life. And so you make a commitment and say, this is where I'm going to be. This is what I'm going to make a part of my life, regardless of what else is going in, into my life. It's not a question of convenience. It's a question of commitment. We get serious about worship, and we say, I'm going to, have a, I'm going to make that a part of my life. I'm going to be intentional about how I prepare for worship. I'm going to, I'm going to prepare m- myself in thinking about focusing my time and my attention on God in, in this time. This isn't about the things that happened in the week before or the things that are coming up in the week ahead. This is about me sharing my heart with God and asking God to speak to me. In the midst of a sermon where nothing seems to be making sense, I, I'm not going to go to my grocery list. I'm going to write down questions. And I'm going to send those to the pastor the next week because I'm serious about getting something from worship. That's supposed to be funny. In, in, in the, w- w- when I place an offering... When I take the time to put an offering in the basket, it's not just some moment that I just throw away, but I think about that I'm doing this because, God, I want to give you part of my life. And so there are things in the next week that I'm not going to do because I want this resource that you have blessed me with to bless others. You think about that as you, as you place that gift. You, you're intentional about participation in worship. You sing, not because the people around you may love to hear what you sound like but because God wants to hear your voice and God wants to touch your heart. You get serious about worship. The second thing is you get serious about your devotional life. Now, what does that mean to to have a devotional life? A devotional life is where we take what we do here, this process we do together in, in worship of growing in deeper love with God, we take that into our own lives and we continue to invest in that process of growing in deeper love with God. We open the scriptures We invest in a life of prayer. We take time out of our life and we set it aside. We make a serious commitment to it because we want to continue this process of growing in deeper love with God. So let me give you a picture of what that looks like to get serious about something uh, in your life. I have a new commitment that I am making this fall. And I'm making it for a couple reasons, but it's something I'm adding to my life really just for my own enjoyment and also because I found that it's something that my son, my six-year-old son and myself, uh, we, we both enjoy it. It's something we get to do together. And so I'm, I'm doing something brand new, something I've not done before. It's not been a part of my life, but, but I'm serious about it. I want to make a commitment to it in my life. And that is following the sport of soccer. I watched, uh, see, I love the blank stares that I'm getting right now. There's just total... <laughs> What? So this summer, my son and I watched tons of World Cup soccer. It's like that every four-year little tease of, hey, you might be interested in soccer. I didn't really play the sport. Uh, it's pretty easy to understand. I mean, it's kicking a ball and a goal. But, but I found that my son loved watching. It's one of the only sporting events that he'd sit down and watch with me for the, for the whole game. And he plays, loves the sport, so I'm investing in soccer. I am also a recovering Dallas Cowboys fan, and I've just... I've just come to the realization that that is not good for my soul. Like, I just need to, 
I need to replace that hurt. I need to go somewhere else. So, so I've gotten serious about this. Like I've, I've spent time learning about, about uh, English Premier League football, that, that soccer over there, and investing in trying to figure out which team I was going to support. And, and I made a choice after, after very careful research and talking with people and, and, and deciding which team I want to follow because I've heard that that kind of helps you as you're making this new commitment. It's brand new. I mean, I even, I've got a jersey. I'll show you who I picked. This is... This is the Chelsea Blues, okay? I know it's confusing because it says Samsung. It's just how they roll over there. I don't know. But, but I, you know, I invested money in buying a jersey so I could say this is who I support. I mean, I've been wearing this thing all the time, so you don't want to smell it. But anyways, you know, this is a new commitment. If you look at my calendar, my calendar, where the, thing, the commitments I've made in my life, you, you can look for the rest of the year. I've got every Chelsea game on my calendar. Because I'm going to watch that. And again, I know I'm getting blank stares. That's cool. I want you to see what does it look like when we get serious about something. When we get serious about something, we invest our time, our attention, and our money. And if you want to know what you're really serious about, ask yourself the question, what's getting my time, what's getting my attention, and what's getting my money? Because those are the things that we are really serious about. Now, there, there's another reason I share this illustration with you, and I show you this, this jersey, and I talk about my calendar, is because we get really serious about really silly things in our lives. Yesterday morning, I woke up and I watched a soccer game. I'm watching lots of soccer just to kind of acclimate myself to this thing and, you know, get, get really, you know, just marinate in this stuff and get, get down deep into it. I watched a game. I woke up early on Saturday morning to watch a game that lasted 90 minutes. It was 90 minutes long. There were thousands of people who came to this game. I mean, they, they spent time, they spent money to come to this game. You know what the score was at the end of the game? It was 0-0. Zero, zero. <laughs> we might as well have all stayed home. I mean, there was no, there was really no, I mean, it was entertaining, but there was no point. It ended 0-0. Zero, zero. And we invest our lives in things that at the end of it, we can say, there's really no point to this. <laughs> But I like it. It, it kills time. It, it does something for us in our life. We invest a, a great deal of time and attention and money in things that, that don't have tremendous value. And so you get serious about your devotional life. You start investing your time and your attention. You make it a priority in your life because you say, I want to be serious about this. I want I want this to be a part of my life. And, and not every day is it going to be, oh my gosh, I can't believe what God said to me this morning. Some days it's going to be confusion. Some days it's going to be wrestling. Some days it's going to be, Lord, I still don't know what's going on in my soul. But I'm going to come back tomorrow. And we're going to talk about that because I'm serious about you and growing in deeper love with you. The third thing is you get serious about meaningful relationships in your life. And that means nurturing and cultivating those relationships. The people in your life who, who you have connected with, who, who you care about, you know they care about you. But getting serious about meaningful relationships may begin by you just saying to that person, you know what, I need you to know that, that you're an important part of my life, that I trust you, and that I'm depending on you. Inviting them to have that same level of vulnerability with you. Now, choose carefully. You don't want to scare people here. But, but, but finding those relationships that are really valuable to you that you know right now are nurturing your soul and having the courage to maybe take it a step deeper and say... I need to share about something that's going on in my life, and I, I just need some help. 
being vulnerable and being honest and, and investing in those meaningful relationships, being consistent and intentional about how we nurture those relationships. And the fourth thing is to get, to get serious about acts of service and acts of sacrifice. The life of Jesus, the way of Jesus, is service and sacrifice. That's what Jesus models for us. That's what it means to follow Jesus, is to live a life of service and sacrifice. And so we get serious. We get serious about investing in those things. We do things that make us uncomfortable that make us feel awkward and out of place. We do things that we wouldn't normally sign up for because we're serious about service and sacrifice. So we may have a conversation with a friend where we talk about our faith. We talk about what God means to us and what grace means to us. Someone who may have no perspective on spirituality, we take that risk, we enter into that discomfort because we want to serve and we want to sacrifice, we want to love someone. We, we take a Saturday morning and we go over to Fort Worth and we feed the homeless. And we do so because we want to serve and we want to sacrifice. We want to participate in the love of God at work in the world. And here's what's always happened in my life. I don't know if you would say the same thing in yours, but here's what always has happened for me. Whenever I engage in an act where I am participating in God's love being shared with someone else, it's a vivid reminder of God's love for me. It's a vivid reminder of God's love for me. So when I see someone who may be wrestling with poverty or addiction, may find themselves at a place of hopelessness, and I have the opportunity to simply bless them, it reminds me that as I love them and as God loves them, so God loves me. And there's no difference between, between us. We are people who need God's love. And every time I do that, every time I participate in an act where I serve or I sacrifice, whether it may be something like that, that, that for you may feel a little bit uncomfortable or, or something as simple as standing at the door and welcoming people as they come in to worship. What an honor that is as people come in to experience God, to be a vivid reminder of God's excitement and joy that they're here. Whenever I participate in something like that, it reminds me of God's love for me and grace grows in my life because I'm practicing the life of grace. Here, here's the idea in week seven that will be even more important as we move into week eight, the final week of this series, as we begin to talk about the next steps of faith. At some point in your life, and you may not be there yet, again, you may be still on those first steps, what we've talked about today is where you're heading, it's the target, it's where you may be in a year or two, or whatever it might be, you may not be there yet, I want to make sure you hear that, if you're not there, that's fine, that's totally fine, continue your journey. But at some point in your life, we all come to the point where we have to ask ourselves the question, are we interested in Jesus? Are we curious about Jesus? Or are we really serious about following Jesus in every aspect of our life, of growing in deeper love with God, love with others, and service to the world, of saying, God, thank you for what you have done in taking me through these first steps, but I'm ready for more. I'm ready for more. And I want to get serious about following you. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that in this place, you would fill each of us with a sense of your grace and your love. 
Lord, if there is anyone here today who in leaving right now feels a sense of guilt, if today has done nothing more than, than remind them of what they're not doing and how they've failed in the past, then Lord, I ask that you would forgive me because I know that's not your heart. I know that each person who is here is treasured by you in an immense way. And so by your grace and with your wisdom, Lord, help each of us to understand what the next step may be. And as that clarity comes, give us, Lord, confidence and give us courage to take that next step. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.